0: Good evening once again, Sluggy Kiddos. It is Friday, December 8th, 2023, and we're reading Chuck Black's Kingdom's Reign. It's the final of six books in his Kingdom series. So let's get to it. We stopped at chapter three last night. Chapter four is called Mysteries Kin, K-I-N, Kin, Mysteries Kin. Leonard and Tess graciously invited me and many of my closest friends to their home the following week for a meal and fellowship. That allowed us time to settle in and partake in all the welcoming festivities that the king and the prince had planned for their people. Beneath the sunlight of a pristine day, I walked with William to Leonad and Tess's palace. William, It seems that every day we are here, something new surprises and delights us, does it not? Indeed, Cedric, he agreed. I feel like a child of a wealthy family at a continuous festival. Even the streets were awe-inspiring. Having experienced just a few days of this glorious kingdom, I couldn't imagine why the king cared at all about ereth But I knew it was not the charm of the country, the beautiful streets, or even the magnificent city that swayed the heart of the king. It was the people. I had seen the king's deep love for the people firsthand through his son, the prince. A love so deep that he offered his only son to save them. It is the people who make a kingdom great. "'but the king's love for them makes the kingdom even greater. "'I was realizing that these two kingdoms, "'both here and Erethrae, "'would forever be close to the heart of the king, "'not for their beauty, but for the people within them. "'William and I walked up to the steps of a great palace. "'No guards were necessary.' We were greeted at the doors by a large fellow I immediately recognized from the ship. He did not seem surprised to see me. The ship's crews of silent warriors had kept their distance from the Eretrean people during the voyage, but were a bit more amicable since our arrival. I learned early on that silent warriors are extremely serious fellows. It is good to see you, Uten. "'I said politely. "'And you, Sir Cedric. "'This is my good friend William.' "'The silent warrior bowed. "'It is a pleasure to meet you, Sir William.' "'And you, sir,' William said. "'Sir Leonat and Lady Tess are waiting for you in the great hall.' "'Thank you, Yutan,' I said, and we walked in that direction.' As we approached the great hall, the sound of voices and laughter began to fill the hallway down which we walked. We entered the great hall through two massive oak doors that were open wide. Leonette and Tess were just beyond the entrance and greeted us warmly. Cullen and Keeley, Barrett and his family, and Rob had already arrived. There were a dozen others. Some I knew and some I did not. As we talked, Tess saw someone behind us and excused herself. "'So, Cedric,' Leonette asked, "'have you adjusted to life here yet? "'Or does the wonder of this kingdom still confound you?' "'How does one adjust to paradise, Leonette?' I asked." It seems to me that one must accept being surprised and delighted daily. Speaking of delight, Leonid smiled and looked beyond us. Here comes a delight of which I dared not dream. We turned about to see Tess walking arm in arm with another beautiful lady. Leonid Look who has returned from a mission in time to join us for dinner this evening, Tess said, beaming. Tess delivered the young lady to Leonad, who embraced her warmly. Talia, I am so delighted you could make it, he said. The surprise on my face must have been evident, for here before me stood the mysterious woman from the ship. I couldn't imagine what possible connection she might have with Leonad and Tess. Neither a nor silent warrior, she was an enigma that I resolved to find the answer to this evening. Talia kissed Leonad on the cheek as they embraced. I thought the greeting a I thought the greeting a bit too friendly, but Tess did not seem to mind at all. I knew that Leonid had never spoken of this mystery lady before, so their acquaintance must have been made since Leonad's arrival here. And yet their affection for each other seemed to go deeper than friendship. Talia held Leonad's hands and stepped back to look at him. Father, it is so good to see you. At that. I nearly stumbled backward. Talia, Leonad and Tessa's daughter, how could this be? Leonad delighted in welcoming welcoming his daughter, and in the shock, and in the shock on my face. Cedric, you look almost as as surprised as I felt when I learned of my daughter," he said with a grin. Talia. Allow me to introduce you to the young man to whom I passed the mantle of my hope. Cedric, please meet Talia, my daughter. Talia turned to face me and smiled with the same sweetness I saw in Tess. I realized that I had recognized Tess's smile when I first met her only because I had first seen Talia. I tried to recover from what must have been a rather dumbfounded stare. Talia offered her hand this time. "'I am pleased to meet you, Sir Cedric,' she said sweetly. "'And I am pleased to meet you, Lady Talia, again,' I said, bowing and kissing the back of her hand.' The fragrance of Talia's perfume rose from her wrist and lightly filled my nostrils with a sweet scent I knew I would never forget. I rose up and felt some satisfaction in the questioning look upon Leonette's face. You have met before, he asked. As a matter of fact, we have, I said. I let loose of her hand, and Talia glanced toward William. Leonette "'looked lost in thought, so I began the rest of the introductions. "'Talia, this is my good friend William.' "'Please forgive me,' Leonid interrupted. "'William, please allow me to introduce you to my daughter, Talia.' "'They exchanged courtesies, and Leonid returned to his question. "'How is it possible that you two have met?' I looked at Talia, but she seemed content to remain silent, so I spoke. On our transport ship, there was a mysterious young woman who was neither a reth nor a silent warrior. All of my attempts at discovering her identity failed, and she seemed to avoid me for most of the journey. Although you call her your daughter, I must admit, I am at a loss as to how this is possible. Leonid laughed out loud. Oh, what a coincidence. They That put you upon the same ship as Talia. I can ima- imagine the awkwardness of it. He seemed to thoroughly enjoy the thought. Talia looked a bit sheepish. I'm sorry, Sir Cedric, if you felt offended in any way. You see... "'I could not reveal my identity to you, nor could I lie. "'The wonder of the life-spice had not been disclosed to you yet, "'and neither I nor any of the silent warriors "'were allowed to divulge anything of that nature while on mission. "'I spoke to you too much as it was, for your curiosity was great. "'There is no need to apologize, my lady.' I replied, but I must admit that I am still puzzled as to how you are Leonad's daughter. Tess put her arm around Talia. Talia is our one and only child, Cedric, she said warmly. In a reft tray, I grew weak from my injury and I was taken across the great sea to the Isle of Seda. My departure from Leonid was hard to bear, but the silent warriors who came for me said I would soon die if I did not go with them. Leonad insisted, and I finally acquiesced. What neither Leonid nor I realized was that I was with child. The voyage across the great sea nearly killed me, but once on the island life spice began to strengthen my body. Shortly thereafter, I found that I was carrying a baby. She smiled at Talia. I had a daughter and never knew it until I arrived on the island, Cedric, Leonid said. He put his arm around Talia and Tess. Can you imagine the day of my reunion with my wife, And my daughter. But why were you taken to an island and not brought here to the kingdom? I asked. No Arehtraean was allowed into the kingdom until the prince had completed his mission. When he died and rose again, he came to the Isle of Sita and brought us into the kingdom. Leonid paused. Only the prince could unite us with the king. We all waited for him. Even though I was not with you, I waited for the prince as well. I looked at Talia. But those hideous creatures, didn't you say they came from the caverns on the Isle of Sita? How did you survive? The island is divided by a mountain, she explained. One side belongs to Lucius. The other was protected by silent warriors and became a place of refuge for us while we waited for the prince. I saw the synths only once before, there on that island. Yutan told me they abide deep in the mountain and caverns and only Lucius can control them. She appeared unnerved. I'm glad to be here now. Our group fell silent as we contemplated Talia's last bit of information. Leonid finally spoke up to restore the festive mood. Talia, after dinner you must challenge William and Cedric to a bout on the intrepid course. I think you might find your equal in one of them. "'he said with a sly smile. "'From Talia's response, "'I could tell she had a competitive side "'that was no small part of her character, "'that had that had been evident on the ship. "'Intrepid course,' William asked. "'Yes,' Tess answered. "'While on the Isle of Cedar, "'the silent warriors mentored Talia "'and trained her in the art of the sword "'while I recovered.' To condition her, they developed a challenging course that she loved to run. Over the years, as she grew, she began to beat even the silent warriors. The course tests not only strength, but stamina and speed. Don't even bother trying, gentlemen, a deep voice from behind us said. We turned to see Utens smile admiringly admiringly at talia you will save yourself a dose of embarrassment at the hands of this little lady if you refuse you Tan, you let me win to make me feel good talia said jokingly yes when you were just the last my lady but i have not bested you in years and not for lack of trying as you well know talia laughed Yutan reconstructed the course here on our palace grounds for me. It was an important part of my childhood. Because of her skill, Yutan said, McCallum has allowed Talia to accompany us on many of our sea missions. Take her challenge, but know that I have warned you. William shook his head. I think I shall leave my dignity intact and refuse, but thank you just the same. Leonette looked at me with a raised eyebrow. I felt coerced, but thought it might afford me an opportunity to acquaint myself more with Talia. I humbly accept the challenge, provided Talia will be kind and not humiliate me too dramatically, I said. Yu Tan, slapped my back with a large hand. "'Eat lightly, my friend, "'for though she is as pretty as a flower without, "'she is as tough as the largest of silent warriors within.' "'Shortly thereafter, Gavanagh and Kena arrived, "'followed by Sandon, Weston, Marie, Addie, and Keaton. "'Addie and Keeley became instant friends,' and Keaton was now old enough to hold his own with them. It was good to see Gavanagh, for I desired to talk with him, but had not yet had the opportunity since our arrival. Sir Gavanagh, what a delight to see you! You look well! I offered my left hand to greet him, but he smiled and extended his right instead. What a pleasure to see you as well, Sir Cedric. He grasped my hand, and I felt the full strength of his grip. I see your thorn has been removed. I said, joyful for him. Yes, and I am stronger than ever. I can't tell you how good it feels to be whole again, he said. He formed a fist with his right hand and opened it. The injury he had received from the blade of a vicious shadow warrior had left his right arm useless for years, but now it seemed completely healed. His eyes gleamed, Kena joined us, and she slipped her arm in his. Good evening, Lady Kena. I see that you have been made whole as well. She smiled and leaned into Gavanagh. "'I'll never let him go again,' she said, gazing at him with great admiration. There were more introductions and light conversation before we were all called to dinner. It was a marvelous meal in a time of pleasant fellowship. Taking Tan's advice, I did not eat quite so much. As the afternoon lingered, Leonette eventually broke us to the intrepid course, I'm sorry, brought us to the intrepid course on the far side of the palace grounds. It was a veritable plerithora I'm sorry, it was a veritable plethora of obstacles and challenges that I had never before seen. There were ropes, trees, targets, beams, and even a rock cliff, which I imagined was to be scaled at some point in the run. I began to question my decision to accept Tilly's challenge, or rather Leonad's. I had never pictured Leonad as a father. It was interesting to see the healthy pride of a father within him. Leonette turned to the large, silent warrior. Yutan, in all fairness to Cedric, would you run the course first for him so that he is not at too much of a disadvantage? Certainly, Sir Leonad," he replied. Yutan removed his outer tunic, revealing well-sculpted muscles. As he ran the course, I concentrated on each task he performed. There were ropes to climb, beams to walk, pendulums to evade, arrows to shoot, and rocks to scale. At one point, he was required to retrieve a sword and strike three opposing targets in a specific sequence all within a certain amount of time. His sword moved quickly, but it took him two tries before he was rewarded with a drawbridge that automatically lowered in place to allow him to cross a wide ditch filled with water. It took some time before he completed it, and when he did, sweat ran profusely down his brow, neck, and torso. He finished the course by ringing a small bell at the end. While he was running the course, Talia had disappeared and returned adorned with the same outfit, minus the cape, that I had first seen her wearing on the ship. She looked fit for combat in an unusual way. Talia came and stood before me with her fists on her hips. The sweet smile from before had been replaced with the stern face of a competitor. "'Are you sure you want to do this?' she asked. The tone of a fierce challenge was in her voice. "'Lead the way, my lady,' I replied." We readied ourselves, and Yutan gave the word to start. I instantly became aware of a social dilemma. How do I not look a fool and yet preserve the honor of Talia? I entered the course with every intention of letting Talia win, but within minutes it became evident that letting her win would not be a problem. Although my strength was superior, Her speed and agility were like that of a cat. She quickly maneuvered into the lead, and it took all I had to stay up with her. Before long, I was breathing hard and sweating like an overworked horse. Talia seemed to move from challenge to challenge undaunted by physical strain. Partway through the course, I caught a second wind and started to feel the rhythm of the obstacles. I was closing in on Talia and the challenge of the competition soon took hold of me. Keeley, who had been watching closely, found it an opportune time to cheer exuberantly for Talia. Our leads were exchanged many times during the last half of the course. Talia became fiercer in her competitiveness, as did I. She edged forward just near the end with one obstacle remaining, and I knew I could not overtake her. After clearing the last obstacle, she glanced back toward me as I redoubled my efforts. We both stretched our hands for the rope of the bell, but she stumbled and missed. Without thinking, I grabbed the rope and pulled. I regretted it an instant later when I saw the hurt on her face. Our audience politely applauded, and I reached to lift Talia to her feet. She hesitated, but took my hand. I felt horrible. "'I'm sorry,' I said quietly. "'Do not be sorry. You have won fairly. You deserve my congratulations.' "'I'm sorry you tripped. You were quite in the position to win.' I said, trying to ease the tension and make both her and myself feel better. It did not seem to work. It appears we have a new intrepid course champion, Leonid said without much enthusiasm, but with a genuine smile. But there was no victory in the victory. I reminded myself that it was just a friendly competition, but I still felt miserable. Tess gracefully redirected all of us back to the palace for refreshments. Talia resumed her pleasant demeanor as she helped Leonid and Tess host their guests. Everyone seemed to thoroughly enjoy themselves, except me. Talia and I were polite to each other the remainder of the evening, but I felt a distance between us that "'I did not like and did not know how to close. "'It was the only sadness I had felt since arriving in the kingdom. "'When William and I left, we walked in silence for a while. "'He finally placed an arm over my shoulder. "'Your heart is good, my friend. "'She will see that with time. "'You are a good friend, William.' Next time, please rescue me from my folly, lest I make a bigger fool of myself than I did this evening, I responded. You are no fool, Cedric, and there was little I could do for you. I do not think you would feel this way were it not for Talia. I wasn't sure what he meant by his last comment, and I chose not to ask him. I was thankful for William. He knew me like a blood brother, and I hoped I was as good as a friend to him as he was to me. Some days later, I revisited Leonid and Tessa's home, hoping to make things right with Talia, but she had departed on another sea mission with u I awkwardly, awkwardly apologized to Leonid But he reassured me that all was fine. I could not convince myself of it, though, until I met with Thalia personally. Unfortunately, it seemed that might not happen for a long time. But other matters helped occupy my mind and my time, for which I was thankful. Chapter 5 the away years a few weeks passed, and as the knights of the prince, we resumed our training once again. We knew that our reprieve from the clutches and effects of the dark night was only a temporary respite. The prince continued to teach us, train us, and prepare us for a future mission back in a ret-tray. He brought our skill with the sword to a higher level of mastery. He was patient, but did not allow complacency in any aspect of our training. Cedric, you have mastered the sword and all the maneuvers I have taught you, the prince said as he observed my training. But now you must master your feet. When you encounter a shadow warrior, your footwork is what will save you. The sword and upper body will be ineffective if your legs and feet cannot carry carry you to a position of advantage quickly. Balance and speed start at the ground. Yes, my prince, I replied and watched closely as he demonstrated. When he finished, he looked intently upon me. Life is good here, Cedric, he said and placed a hand on my shoulder. In a tray, the threat of evil kept you on your guard, but remember this: the most dangerous threat of evil is when it seems to be absent. I pondered his words and vowed not to forget them. In a rethtry, the threat of evil kept you on your guard, but remember this: the most dangerous threat of evil. "'is when it seems to be absent. "'Do not neglect your training, Cedric, "'here or in a "'for the days of evil are not over.' "'I was struck once again with the realization "'that the prince was no ordinary man. "'It was as though he could see the future. "'His intelligence, discernment, "'and wisdom seemed to have no bounds.' During our absence from Arethre, a time of great peril had come for all who remained. Their portion of anguish was doubled, for not only were they under the absolute, tyrannical rule of the Dark Knight, but the king's wrath against the people was great, because they had rejected him and the prince. Although none of the knights of the prince were allowed back to our beloved land during the years of peril, we learned much from the silent warriors' reports about the condition of Erethrae. Their role in the kingdom had changed once all of the prince's followers were taken. They had become observers instead of messengers, and implementers of the king's judgment instead of the protectors of his people. Although I was joyful to be with the prince again, I could not deny a heart that was heavy for the kingdom and for the people left behind, even though they had rejected the king. I wondered if I could have done something more. The dark knight, Lucius, established total control over the kingdom under the name of Alexander Histon. His rule was ruthless, and since all the knights of the prince had been taken across the great sea, there was no one left to counter Lucius's reign of terror. The people of Chessington, who remained, were confused and beguiled. Unwilling to accept the prince as the king's son, they continued to look for a deliverer. Initially, they wondered if Alexander Histon was he, but they quickly came to understand that the treachery that followed the treachery that followed in his wake he established his throne in our beloved city of Chessington. It was the ultimate insult to the king, since this was the city and, and the chosen people through which the prince would deliver those who followed him, Although the citizens of Chessington who remained rejected the prince as the king's son, they had not rejected the king or their belief in his promise of a deliverer. And, although the king was grieved by their rejection of his son, he did not abandon the people of Chessington forever. He knew they would eventually accept the prince as their king in a wrath tray. As the reality of Histon's treachery became obvious to the people of Chessington, they found themselves at enmity with two kingdoms and two kings. One glorious and good, the other evil and loathsome. As their days of peril lengthened, the citizens of Chessington began resisting Histon's rule and his proclamation that he was the true king of Erethrae. Histon ruled all of Erethrae with a fierce hand. He demanded the allegiance of all and received it from all, all, all except the citizens of Chessington. Though intense persecution followed, they would not bend their knee to him. It was during this time of immense tribulation that the people of Chessington began to turn their hearts to the prince. Some remembered the prince in his profound words, while others listened to the stories and knew that they had misjudged the man, the Deliverer. Now they wondered if there was any hope left. They felt the abandonment of the good king and the hatred of the evil one. In the culmination of his anger and vengeance, Histon temporarily left Chessington to gather together a force of shadow warriors and Erethraean men so massive that no castle or fortress or city could stand for for even an hour against its attack. Now, Histon wanted to utterly destroy Chessington and all of the king's people once and for all, for they were a, remainder, a reminder of the one he could not be, the one true king. Their only hope was to stand honorably against the coming onslaught of an evil army, even though it would mean certain death, for rule under Histon was not an option the king's people would accept. Shortly after, Histon left Chessington to gather his final forces of destruction. An assembly of the king's people gathered in the city square beneath the very tree upon which the prince had died. A silent warrior named Gabrick had made a number of voyages across the great sea to report the condition of a wreath to the king. Oftentimes, Gabrick's reports were given aloud at the king's grand palace courtyard for all the knights of the prince to hear. Upon his last return, he had recapitulated the words of Fenton at this assembly. Benton was one of the men of Chessington responsible for turning the hearts of the people back to the prince. I will never forget the impact his passionate words made upon the king. Through Gabrick, we heard the words and saw the king's response. People of Chessington, our hands are red with the blood of the one who would deliver us. Only in this dark hour do we see our grievous mistake, for our king has rightfully abandoned us, and our sworn enemy has gone to gather an army to utterly destroy us. The truthful words of Leonid fell upon our father's deaf ears and hardened hearts, as did the words of the prince upon our own. There is no promise left for us, no hope, no future. My soul is sick with grief at our betrayal, and yet within my bones I feel the zeal to make my life count for the king and his son. Our final hour is come. Stand with me for the king and his son against the evil one. Gabric spread his arms open wide as he recalled Fenton's final words to the people. Hope against hope do we call across the great sea. O my king, forgive us for our betrayal. We beseech you to incline your heart to us one more time. Though we only deserve your wrath and judgment, we appeal to your kindness and mercy as king of all. Forgive us, O King, and let us be your people once again. Gabriel lowered his arms and bowed his head, and our assembly stood in silent contemplation before the King. A tear fell from the royal cheek of the King as he turned to face his son. It is time, the King proclaimed. The prince rose to his feet. Silent warriors and knights of the prince, prepare your hearts. We sail for a The silent warriors drew their swords and lifted them high into the air. In unison they shouted, The king reigns and his son. The knights of the prince drew their swords and echoed their cry. The king reigns and his son. The prince looked at Macallam, the commander of the silent warriors, and nodded. Macallam turned to face his warriors. Prepare the ships. A tray awaits her king. Under the majestic evening sky in the heart of the kingdom across the sea, the distant cry of the people of Chessington had been heard and the heart of the king was moved. And that's the end of chapter five, kiddos. We're going to stop there tonight. All right. The story's getting pretty cool. I do believe that this story is tracking through the book of revelation i'm not sure if any of you kiddos have ever read revelation start to finish there's so many symbols and allegories and um yeah a lot of symbolism so sometimes some of the parts of revelation are hard to follow through because it's very abstract and one thing that is said is meant to mean uh, another thing. But anyways, um, yeah, we'll pick up at chapter six tomorrow. All right. I love you kiddos very much. Hope you have a great night and uh, do good in school. Study your math and your spelling words and do your English and your reading. I love you kiddos very much. I'll catch y'all later. Night-night.